Welcome and welcome back to the Canada Homeschools podcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to be having a conversation with my husband. It's something that we recorded back last November about parenting. And uh, my husband actually had a, a Facebook and YouTube show called Conversations with Chris. It was through our church. And so I asked if we could get a copy of the audio of that um, so that we could share it on the podcast and so yeah they said yes and so here it is so it's about parenting some of the things we're going to be talking about are discipleship because this was a conversation um, created for our church but if you're not a church person don't hesitate to listen we're also going to be talking about values and parenting styles how parenting is like tending a bamboo tree we're going to talk about how to teach financial skills and transitioning from parenting to becoming a mentor so there are lots of good topics in there for everyone and i hope that you'll enjoy it and i give this disclaimer at the beginning but i'll give it again now and that is that we're not perfect parents we haven't been There are some things that we would do differently, and we talk about that as well in the podcast. So I hope you'll enjoy it. I always enjoy having a conversation with my husband, and he has such a good radio voice too, but I'm biased. So (laughs) I look forward to sharing it with you. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Good morning. Welcome to Conversations with Chris at Pinewoods Chapel. So uh, today I've got a guest with me. It's my wife, Rowan. Say hi to Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hi. So the month of, uh, of November, we are taking some time to talk about parenting and just uh, covering all of these topics that are real practical for anyone in any stage of life. So Rowan and I are going to share a little bit about who our kids are, a little bit, but not too much details, and then a little bit of parenting, and we're going to be available to answer any questions. We've got some questions that we're going to answer too as we uh, go through this, but uh, hopefully this will be beneficial to you. Uh, I was doing some math the other day, and I realized we've been uh, parenting collectively all our kids for like over 80 years. We got 80 years of experience with our kids. So uh, our kids are all different and different types of kids require different types of parenting. So uh, great to have you with us today. 
Hopefully you can uh, learn some things about uh, parenting. And again, uh, check last week. Last week we talked about 10 scriptures to pray over your kids. Next week we're going to have a, another couple here and we're going to talk about uh, parenting sort of in those younger years. They've got some kids in the younger years and all of our kids are a little bit older now. So Rowan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about our kids? Sure. The first thing I want to say though is that parenting is something that you don't really know what you're doing when you start <laughs> or you think you do. And then over time you learn sometimes by reading and listening to wise advice and sometimes you learn by the things that just don't work. That is so true. And so, so true. if we were to begin parenting again now, although I'm personally looking forward to grandparenting soon, um, I think that we would do quite a few things differently. So, um, so I just want to say that and be real that, you know, we, we didn't parent perfectly, but we did learn some things over time. And so I just, I just want to be very real about that before we get started. And if you can learn from us, from maybe some things we would do differently as well, then, uh, then that's good. And your kids will thank you. So. <laughs> So our oldest uh, daughter is Rebecca, and uh, Rebecca is now 24, and uh, she lives down in Kitchener-Waterloo in Ontario, and she works for the Minister of, I, of the Attorney General's office down in Queen's Park. And so uh, she's all the way through school and into the workforce, and then we have our second daughter, Elizabeth, is married to Griffin. They live out on Vancouver Island in BC. And uh, then our third born daughter is Julia. And Julia still lives at home. She's in uh, college taking entrepreneurship. And then we have a son who's our fourth child. And he is 17, just finishing off grade 12 and going to take a year off and then heading off to uh, post-secondary education. So we've been, we've raised three kids and uh, one son, and uh, that's sort of our experience. So a little bit more about our raising of our kids. Why don't you talk a little bit about homeschooling for a second? Sure. You didn't mention our second daughter's education. When oh, you right. Through the that's list. right. That's she right. She has so a bachelor's of religious education, education from Heritage yeah. College and Seminary. Yes. And... Um, we raise three daughters and one son. Right. Yeah. So one of the things we did was homeschooling and Rowan homeschooled our kids all the way through into high school. To the end of grade 11 for the girls and the end of grade eight for our son. And so you could say I have been the primary parent. So most of the parenting was done by me and yes i was away at work a lot and worked a lot in uh, the off hours too in the evenings and that so my role in parenting was quite different than rowan's role when she saw the kids every day um, and we'll get talking about that too as we talk about our parenting style so uh, rowan was very very much engaged with our kids as uh, they were growing up and uh, with homeschooling all through the the preteen years and even into high school and some of our kids uh, continued to go all the way through to grade 12 in homeschooling before they went off into any kind of private or, or public school setting. And in those years, 
you did everything with the kids. Um, well, I think... actually, so once our kids hit um, formal education age, I did not tuck them in at night anymore. Well, so point. I passed that over to Chris. And the reason why is we like to read stories at bedtime. And yeah. I did that with the kids all when they were preschoolers. And But once they started to be school-aged as a, the educating parent as well, I was reading with them all day, sometimes laboriously so. And so by the end of the day, I just needed my shift to be over. And yeah. and so Chris would then pray and tuck the kids in at night. Um, yeah, and I did. That he was home and in the evenings me. when I was home, there was lots of things that I engaged the kids with. You know, we had lots of playtime uh, after work and in the evenings. And then we... I even helped them with homework, although I'm not so great at helping them with homework, but I did the best I could. We read together in the early years and then helped them with their harder school work. I have a math degree, so I helped them with some of their math, but they didn't really like me teaching them. No, math. they wanted me back wanted for home. math. So that was good. So if they were bad for mom during the day and then they got dad at night, it was kind of like, oh, we want mom. We don't want dad. So, but yeah, I, so the spiritual component in the evenings, I spent time with the kids and talked to them about God and prayed with them and all that kind of stuff. Rowan did that earlier in the day with the kids. During yeah, we started our day with a morning devotions, either on the couch or around the kitchen table. That was part of our school day. Like that was just built right into our routine. And while everyone doesn't have to homeschool at all, it's about discipling your children, whatever form that education takes. Um, for me, it was nice to have the time to do to do that. And so the form it would take would vary. It could be just using a pre-made devotional. We had um, we had a book that helped us to mm, learn yes. about other countries and what we needed to pray for for those countries spiritually. And then we would color the country on the map so we could combine some world geography with some missionary and prayer kind of devotions. We had nature devotions so we could learn about animals and botany and God's creation with scripture while we were doing it. So I tried to vary it so that it wouldn't get And then you know, as the routine. kids got, as they got older into their teen years, uh, I remember we used to get those devotional books and read through the devotional books and then go At around the room. At supper time. Yeah, we yeah. yeah, it was after supper, but sometimes we did it in the morning too. I remember seasons in the morning. And again, you know, as you're you've got this growing family, you're shifting to the season of the family that you're in and whether it's young kids or older kids and you just kind of adapt to meet them where they are and those I remember lots of times sitting in the living room, you know, reading those devotions and going around the circle and having the kids answer the questions. So that's a very huge part of of our parenting was, you know, our faith and sharing our faith with our kids. Uh, but also, like, I wasn't necessarily an absentee parent. Like, obviously, when I'm at work, I'm not around, and Ronald's carrying the bulk of the parenting. But we were, you know, firm with our kids. We disciplined our kids. We corrected our kids. And uh, we wanted to put values into their life on purpose. You know, we used to say, uh, you know, We've had people say, oh, you're brainwashing your kids. And we're like, yes, we are, because the brains need washing. <laughs> like, so does uh, mine. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, we really wanted to uh, take that opportunity and instill a lot of values in our kids. And uh, we did that a number of different ways. I remember 
to tell the story of that day that was all character building. And the hunger strike, the hunger strike day. day where our kids, we were, they were told to go clean their room and they wouldn't clean their room. It was only about an hour before, <laughs> I think it was supper Sometime, or lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was supper. It's not like we So they had time. <laughs> and so just as an added incentive, we're like, you know, you're not getting supper, supper until your, your room, room is, is done. And, and we came up an hour later. And they were just lying on the floor <laughs> saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. hungry. Well, finish cleaning I don't <laughs> actually believe in depriving children of food. Um, I think it's part of my job as a parent to make sure they have yeah. their nutritional requirements. So that was never the intention. But they were just lying on the floor like, I'm hungry. and it was. But they weren't cleaning their room. Oh, like yeah. they simply just had to clean it. And it wasn't so, that it was that hard. It wasn't like it was that messy that it was really bad. Yeah. So I sent so, daddy in because yeah. sometimes I just yeah, can't I came deal home from work and the kids were just like, ah, dad. So we ended up, that was, we've always mm -hmm. talked to our kids about that. Even now that they're older, you know, we call that the character building day when they, and they remember it too, when they just, you know, had to learn some values about, you know, finishing stuff and, and finishing what they've started and doing what they're told, doing what they're told. <laughs> all of those values. And so there's lots of different values that we sort of were strategic in all of our years of parenting. I'd like to talk more about parenting styles. Oh, sure. Okay. So talk more about parenting styles. Sure. And then I'll talk more about our values. Okay. So um, just talking about parenting styles, there are different styles out there. You could be a permissive parent, an authoritarian parent, mm -hmm. an authoritative parent. So I would have described myself when the kids were young as somewhat authoritative. I grew up in a home where we didn't talk back. We did what we were told. My parents were loving, but you just knew that you had to do what, like there was obedience and respect and so on. So I kind of came into parenting with those values. Um, and I really believe that if you train the kids young, uh, to be respectful and obedient, then maybe you wouldn't have to be so strict with them later. And I did find that to be true. But Chris is more, um, maybe a more humorous parent, like more relaxed Lay, and laid, laid back. back. Yeah. So um, one advice, because even though he wasn't always there doing the hands-on parenting, we still talked about the parenting and we're a team. And I oh, still... Yes consulted with him when I was having an issue with the kids so and we were the, always on the same page too we yeah we agreed yeah. and then we've but just maybe up. how it how it would play out mm. um might we we might see differently yeah so yeah. one thing he shared with me that I think was good for our kids even though it was an adjustment for me to get my head around it was I was really raised with you don't talk back and some of you who know me would be very surprised to know that because I <laughs> tend to talk back a little bit now but with my parents I did not talk back and so um, Chris really encouraged me that we need to let them have what we call it free speech yeah. to a certain extent because they needed to learn how to give their opinions respectfully but still be able to give them but also because he felt that we wanted to know what was actually going on in their head instead of them, you know, not saying, not talking back and then going and secretly having these uh, opinions and thoughts and ideas and maybe living a double life because 
they couldn't be real with us. So, and I think that's really though, paid off in their older years as they've gotten into their teens and definitely as they've gotten into their twenties. Um, yeah, because they're yeah. they feel very comfortable talking to us about the issues that they're facing as young adults. I think when they were tweens, I think <laughs> the tween years are just difficult for everyone. Yeah, and yeah. if anyone ever tells a teenager that teen years are the best years of your life don't tell them that <laughs> it's not true they're just they're awful and i don't mean that raising teens was awful because actually for us that was one of my favorite times with the kids but just you know their frontal lobe is developing their all their hormones all their emotions they're trying to be their own person apart from their parents it's a challenging time and I think during the tween years, teen years not so bad, but tween years, some of my kids, you said that we were very engaged parents, but I feel like I I lost track of uh, yeah. what was going on in their heads sometimes during the tween years and yeah. maybe that happens with everyone. So I think I would have maybe transitioned my authoritarian style to more relaxed a bit sooner if I were to go back and do it all over again and just have more empathy for those poor things in the <laughs> tween years. So that's one thing I wanted to say about parenting styles that I think will be helpful for any of you listening. Um, that was something that Chris and I were basically parented the same, so we didn't have a huge disparity no. in our philosophy of parenting, yeah. but just that collaboration was good for the kids. And I've heard that if you have an authoritative, and I wasn't authoritarian, but authoritative parent and a more relaxed parent, they actually make a good combination because they balance people out. They yeah. balance it out. So that's just what I wanted to say about parenting styles. Yes, yes that, was, that was good. That was good. Now we can go to values. Yeah, so some of the values that we wanted to instill into our kids, uh, you know, obviously one that I had was hard work that our kids would learn to work hard we're both very hard workers have a so strong set of ethics when it comes to making decisions uh, around whatever whatever circumstance whether it be their friends or uh, home life or job in the, as they've grown and and got into that place and so we did a number and I think caring and compassionate to each other wanting them to definitely have that instilled with them and and also uh, being able to communicate. Yeah, so one value that was important to us and to me was that we had a culture at home where we were not allowed to say shut up to mm. each yeah. other. The kids yeah. couldn't say that to each other. And they couldn't call each other names or like mock or um, tease in a bad way. So we just had that so they didn't get insulted by, by their, their in their home yeah. by their family members perhaps they insulted each other when they were out playing outside they I probably don't, did i don't know <laughs> but the culture of the home was just yeah, there we wasn't around, that verbally abusive language to yeah. each other not even shut up now i admit that now that they're in their 20s I have been known to say shut up, not in a like a mean, angry way, but like sometimes if they're being, I don't know, super woke with me or whatever it is, and I'll just be like, oh, shut up. And they're like, oh, mom, you said that. But then they laugh and I laugh because they know they have a healthy 
understanding of how to talk to people and how not to talk to people and so and now it's sort of a joke for us but growing up that was like that was a bad word they thought that was a swear word so just that culture of yeah. speaking nicely to one another um was in, was a value that uh, that we had and i think another value we sort of are both entrepreneurial and so we wanted our kids to think and try new things and so all of our kids were always very quick to try new things and we encouraged them to do that that was another value that we wanted them to do that and they weren't you know, always quick some no, of them some were of them more reticent than others yeah, that's true that's true but we encouraged them but we to encouraged get out them of the to do their stuff. Zone. yeah and and you know i think how you instill these values is just continually coming back and back and back to them you know, I love the the illustration of a bamboo tree, and maybe you've never heard this before, but I, I love it and I tell everybody, so I'm going to tell you, is that uh, a bamboo tree, once it's planted from a seedling, it stays under the ground and you don't see anything that's happening for seven years, but you still have to be faithful to water it and to fertilize it and care for it, keep the weeds away from it. But then for years. In, for years, for seven years, but then in the seventh year, it grows like 90 feet in, I forget what the statistics are. I think it's like 90 feet in 30 days. And so when you're thinking about that, you know, as, as a parent, you have to spend all this time reinforcing and going back and talking to them and talking to them. And sometimes you don't see a lot of change. You don't see the fruits of all your labors and all the things that you've done. And you're like, oh, my kid's ever going to get this. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And it's explosive. And it's kind of like, wow, these, wow, I can't, wow, oh my goodness. My kids are doing great. And so, you know, but you have to stay consistent. I know one of the things we always used to pray, because we pray for our kids every night, and we still do pray for our kids, even though they're not all at home. Um, it's just asking God to help us be consistent in our parenting. And I know that was a big deal uh, for me anyway, because I just wanted to make sure that I was being consistent with my kids so that they would be getting the same message and I wouldn't be giving them mixed messages. And, and again, I think that's just how you instill those values in their life. Only one was able to divide and conquer us. Only one out of the four. Yes, and which one was that? I don't know if she wants me saying. <laughs> yeah, that's so a, now it's so, narrowed down yeah, to three choices. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I would we won't, say we won't go the there. smartest one. <laughs> the smartest one. <laughs> They're all smart. They're all In smart. different ways. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here we are almost empty nesters we're kind of half empty nesters with our kids we've been through the diaper years and uh, those were fun years we had lots of cool things we used to do i don't remember it's tiring yeah tiring for ron for sure but uh, you know one of the things i really remember and and like about those years is just the fun that we had in our home yeah that he had because that, that was sort of my my role in those days, uh, just being a little bit more laid back and just playing with the kids and running around and dancing and throwing them in the air and tickling them and all of that stuff. You know, those were great times of those early years. And then the teen, the tween years were a little bit more, they were really hard for me, actually. I should just be honest here about the He doesn't girls. know what to do. I don't know what to do with girls. He had no sisters. I had no sisters and I didn't really have a lot of friends that were girls. And so trying to relate to my three daughters, that was a big thing. Now that they're older, I don't have as much of a problem doing that. Uh, it's 
radically the different. and teens, though. Yeah, they were hard. tough. But my son, I have no problem connecting with my son. We can just be silent together, and we know exactly what each other is thinking. And it's uh, just kind of neat to see. But I think that's also important for us to realize, too, that you know how we're raised and what we, what we come to know actually affects our ability to parent. And uh, so that did have an effect on me, and I just sort of regulated, just I passed on the girls to Rowan. And that and had an effect on the girls. It did have an effect on the girls because they didn't I get to know me, we're, and we're like, working we're through working that now. That, yeah. But I, but I still tried to do date nights with the girls and still interact with them, and you know, and I, oh, I should, you know, the money game we had that was a good. Oh thing yeah, for, we for we did want them to learn financial um, financial skills, mm-hmm. and so in our homeschool we had a bit of flexibility with our curriculum, so we were able to do some personal finance and economics, but we also had this game. Well, they did their chores and they got dad dollars, dad dollars and mom money. Yeah. And then they, um, then at they, the end Friday, of the week, on, at, Friday, on Fridays, yeah. we would have family game night yeah. and then they could also buy. So I would just, you know, at the dollar store, get neat things that they would enjoy and then they could buy it with their mom money and dad dollars. Yeah. We had this chest and they would come to us and they'd have to just out there. Buy their they took their dollars. Their rewards. <laughs> and um, so that was a value, too, that money comes from work. Yeah. And and so we actually did not give our kids an allowance. Um, and because we had businesses and things like that, we could give them work. And we could tell it was really working when our son came to us and said, Mom, do you have any jobs for me to do? Because I want to buy something yeah. and I need some money. No problem. So we just really wanted to uh, instill in them that money is doesn't grow on trees. It's not some magical thing that even comes from the government necessarily because the government's money comes from taxpayers. But I don't want to get into a whole economics <laughs> lesson or anything or put my personal thoughts uh, forward. But yet at the same time, uh, money does come from someone's work. And so we wanted to value, we wanted them to understand that. And uh, so they've all been able to um, work in my business and earn money towards their college and their expenses. And instead of us just being the ATM parent. Yeah. And when we do buy them things, and we do, and we do help them out um, if they need to, because they understand that money comes from work and it's not something that's just owed to them for nothing then they really appreciate when they appreciate it when we uh, give them things like they're very thankful and they know that it's a gift and and they don't take it for granted so that was one of our values that i think we wanted them to learn as well and you know we don't really see ourselves as finished and uh we're planning on parenting as long as we're alive well we had arguments about this actually (laughs) because I feel like the responsibility of being the primary parent, like I'm, I've been looking forward to not having that responsibility on my shoulders. So then when Chris would say, well, we'll always be parenting, I'm like, no, <laughs> because I think we're raising adults. We're not raising children. And so once they become adults, it's really not our job to parent them anymore. 
And so once we really talked it through talked it and through. argued it through. Well, we were really meaning the same thing. We are just using different, different words. Different yes. words, yes. So we're more of a coach now. Yeah. And it is neat when your kids will call you up and ask your advice. Yeah. And we all we both have different areas of expertise. Yeah. So they call us for different things. Like if it's construction or house related or whatever, they call dad. If it's medical related they um, or historical you. related they, they call, call me yeah, yeah. um or maybe something to do with um lady things or whatever then they'll call me so it's just neat to see now that they do want our advice maybe after a few years of not wanting our advice and uh, it's neat to see so the role has changed to one of being a coach yeah. a mentor and we're not necessarily responsible and, for them right but, we're but i don't coach. i don't want to be yeah, fully yeah. responsible for them and that's a good distinction adults as are, as your kids get older the responsibility lessens lessens and lessens and it shifts it shifts from being responsible to being supportive and that's a huge transition that you as a parent need to go through and yeah. that your kids go through because telling less Praying more. <laughs> yeah, telling less, praying more. <laughs> or or even asking questions too, you know, from telling as they're little kids to starting to ask questions in the teen years and then just being there supportive. Uh, and, you know, one of the hardest questions that I get asked all the time is how do we actually let go of our kids? Because sometimes as our kids grow, you know, we're so invested in them that it, it's hard to actually let go of them. And to surrender them to their choices, because sometimes we don't, as parents, always agree with their choices, um, and and it's a hard transition for parents as they as they get older. And and you can you can look. I I personally think the best way to do that is start uh, recognizing this transition that's going to happen as they become adults uh, when you're young, and allow their your kids, and kind of know that your kids are moving from. Uh, you telling them what to do and you being responsible for them to them being responsible for them. And as you understand that and as you give them opportunities to take on responsibility, they actually grow in that and you actually grow with them because you know how to give them responsibility. And so it's incredibly important when your kids are, you know, like in my case, how I was raised and how we even raised our kids is to start giving that responsibility away when they're not even 10 yet, when they're 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, and you're giving them more responsibility. And when you give them more responsibility, you take that step back. And uh, that's all part of this process so that when they actually become adults and they are totally responsible for for their lives and that you, you've already been sort of tracking right with them in your ability to step back and support them and cheer, become their cheerleaders and coach, uh, instead of you know being that person that's always telling them what to do when they're at that age, I see on our screen we've got a question from uh, a viewer, and so uh, let's read the question. How do you balance work, homeschool, church, kids, activities, etc., and still make time for yourselves as a couple? <laughs> that's a great question. So we believe very strongly in boundaries and saying no to the things that actually take time away from what else is happening. And so we're just kind of very firm. And I think growing up, we, we limited the amount of sports that our kids were in. And both Ron and I uh, you know, are very athletic. And so we 
enjoyed sports, but we also at the same time limited our kids and what their activities uh, were to do. And we prioritized things. And so church was a priority. Family time was a priority. And, uh, you know, obviously school work was a priority, but we did not prioritize marks. You know, we were just kind of like, you know, you guys are going to do great um, as long as you learn how to actually solve the problem, not necessarily get, get perfect on the problem. And so we just tried to do the best we could with that balance of balancing all of that out and learning to say no to the things that uh, we didn't think were high enough priorities. I don't disagree with you. I think boundaries are super important. I actually have written an entire book called Enough Already Real Help for Homeschool Burnout, Freakout, and Zone Out. <laughs> and um, I have a lot of tips in there of how not to get yourself burnt out with all the things. And the reason I can write about it is sometimes I have been burnt out um, with all the responsibilities. and um, But there are ways to homeschool that contribute to being more burnt out than others. And I think even if you're not homeschooling, it's a lot to juggle. And uh, and so I've learned a lot about time management over the years the yeah. hard way. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, trying to be home for supper as much as possible and have a family supper together. Yeah, and we always made a it a point to eat together, too. That was always a big priority, too. And if Chris was working a job that he worked afternoon shift or something, we'd have our big meal at lunchtime mm -hmm. so we could still have the family meal together. So I think that was one thing. But I don't want to make light of it. It's really hard to juggle all that stuff. And um, one, the nice thing about homeschooling actually is that it gave us more flexibility in our time mm -hmm. schedule. I think when we st stopped homeschooling and the younger two were at a private Christian school, um, the thing that they found challenging, not because they couldn't meet deadlines or get up on time, was just the lack of flexibility of schedule. So because I was home with the kids all day, um, I, they were happy if I went out to small group and they had a babysitter because it was fun to have a babysitter and they were with me all day and it was a nice break for them and for mm -hmm. me. But if on the days when I am working all day and trying to homeschool, doing both, and then I have something on at night, it, it it's a bit much. So I definitely have had seasons where I've cut back on. The more that I have to work in my businesses and and then I have the kids, that's the less bandwidth that I have for um, all the other stuff. But Sunday morning is not an option for us, hmm. um, for sure. We don't have to be there every time the church doors are open, but definitely church, Sunday morning and youth group, even before Chris was a pastor, these were things that were a priority for us. Um, and But just trying not to get too busy with activities. They don't need to be in five right. activities. So we tried to put most of our activities in the summer. So that helped. So there's another question on the screen, and it says, do your kids... Do your kids ever not want to go to church? And if so, how did you deal with it? Well, for us, it was just, you're going. <laughs> that's you're just, going. You're going. You're that's 18. just the way it is. You're going. And you're, once you, you get 18, you can, you can make your own decisions. But uh, we're the parents. And this is another phrase we used to talk. We used to say this all the time to your kids. I used to say this. Hate me now. Thank me later. later. Is that well, the one? No, no. That, that's not the one. <laughs> no. We had this other phrase that uh, we're the boss and you're the kids. 
You know, we are the people of authority because we're the parents. You're the kids. And when you're an adult, and when you're an you, adult can you can make these decisions. And so that was actually a huge part. And we started that like really young. That's my authorita authoritative, authoritative style. Yes. yes. So yeah. and just making it clear that, you know, we are the parents and we are responsible for you. And with responsibility comes well, decision making. We, we have our of, responsibility yeah. before God to yeah. disciple you. And going to church is part of that. Yeah. The nice thing about homeschooling is that if you're just home with your siblings all, all the time, you actually look forward to going to church because you get to see the people yeah. and you get to be taught by someone else. So our kids actually liked going to church and youth group um, for a lot of their lives. But then once they were not educated at home, that's when they less necessarily wanted to but that's just for us it was discipleship so it was a non-negotiable yeah and um and so um that yeah. hopefully answers that question i think we have another one do you have any tips for parents just starting up at home school because of the pandemic yes um first of all i it depends if you're homeschooling with your own curriculum and your own schedule or if you're trying to do online stuff with the school um, with the school you don't actually have that much flexibility but if you're true if you're truly home educating your kids uh, one tip I would give you and then you can also talk to me like privately because I can easily coach you and give you tips and advice but I'll give a couple on here because I think it's applying to a lot of people right now is don't try to reproduce a school in mm. your home it's different and I made that mistake when I started homeschooling um, <laughs> trying to get eight subjects in a day or whatever it is you don't have paid planning periods and you know what the kids are stressed right now and a little de-schooling doesn't hurt so have some have some fun and just relax it's gonna be okay all the yeah. studies show that homeschooling is a very good form of education and um, I have a podcast actually about that. You can go to canadahomeschools.com slash beginners. And I have three episodes there that will give you lots of advice. The other advice I'll give you is just focus on math and English, mm -hmm. like math and language arts at first. And then just have fun with the other subjects, like go for a nature walk and maybe look up some of the plants you see in a book or get some books from the library or watch some YouTube videos. Just have fun with the other subjects. You don't need to buy specific curriculum um, for all of the subjects at first. Math and English are the most important things. If you have that, you can learn anything and then just have fun with the rest. Just do baby steps. Don't get overwhelmed, which is easy to happen at the beginning. And check out those podcast episodes and they'll help you as well. And you can always reach out to me personally and I'll help you. <laughs> well, if you've got any more questions, we'd be glad to answer them. And maybe Rowan and I will come back on together and do some more parenting stuff or in the future. And, but anyway, it's been great chatting with you today. I hope you've been encouraged by some of the things that we've talked about. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that all of us need to remember as followers of Jesus Christ is to keep Christ the head of the home and uh, keep everything pointing to him with your kids. And as you live your faith in front of your kids, it's that 
faith that the kids grab onto. And uh, there's that phrase that they catch more than they're taught. It's actually true. So uh, how you live your life around your kids is going to have a huge impact on, uh, on their future. And so uh, be consistent. Tell them that they're loved often and uh, hug them often and uh, be firm with them, but yet loving and gentle at the same time. And, uh, you know, your kids, they'll be okay and they'll get there. And, uh, yeah, you still love them no matter what they do. And they need to know that too, that you're going to love them no matter what they do. So hope you've uh, been encouraged this morning. It's great to be chatting with you. Uh, there's no more questions coming, so we're just going to sign off now. And thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!